Hey, my name's Alex, and welcome to Alex Listens. This is the place where I talk about things like philosophy and politics and economics and what they mean for us. Today, I sat down and I spoke with my friend, Steph. Um, Steph was my housemate before I moved to London. Um, She's one of my closest friends, and she is one of the most insightful, uh, articulate, intelligent, and creative people I know. Um, I've interviewed her previously on the podcast. It was one of the first interviews I did. I think maybe number five or six or something like that. Um, So if you want some, if you like this one so much and you want to listen to another one with me and Steph, go back and listen to that one as well. Um, Briefly before I play the podcast, I have to do this annoying thing. Um, If you're enjoying Alex Listens, um, you can do a few things to support me and keep the podcast going. Um, One, I have a YouTube channel. You should go and subscribe to that. Obviously, it's called Alex Listens. Um, Two, you can tell a friend. Now, this is probably um, the most helpful thing because really this is a, um, I don't know, I want this podcast to be as community-based as possible. Um, So yeah, I guess by telling your friends um, and people who are like you um, and who are interested in the things that you're interested in, um, yeah, it means that it's more likely that people are going to reach out and be like, hey, this is what I thought of this episode. And then I'll be like, oh, cool. Thanks. Um, Three, uh, you can support it on Patreon. Um, I don't have ads. I won't have ads. Um, And if you feel like it's within your means, um, any kind of support would be much appreciated. And there are links on my bio and in my bio and that kind of stuff. Um, Yeah. So this interview that you're about to hear was recorded over Zoom. So the sound quality might be a little bit sketchy, but um, like, no, really, there's no problem. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, thanks for listening. Spent it all on Bye. Way, but I didn't. I just told you that I did because I thought that it was okay to lie. Like, why should I care if I'm not what you like? I'm more and more Yeah, the more I say I'm okay, the more I feel you feel okay. Okay, yeah, you don't understand my vocabs. Okay, you know I don't play with more weight. Hey, everyone, I'm here with Stephanie. Yeah? I'm pretty good. Yeah. Today I'm good. Why? It's a weird question. Huh? Why today? What do you mean why today? I guess like, I don't know. I feel like today I've been um, just like more like conscious of what I'm doing. I feel like I'm very distractible and I can easily just like leak out into my day. And then it's like, you know. Mm four o'clock and I'm like oh fuck like what do I where have I been bro but today I know where I've been so today's been good mm. and for how those of you? you wait 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 for those of you who don't know <laughs> actually I'll t- yeah I'm okay I also um I also feel that like um I drift for a lot of the day and then I kind of tune in occasionally and I'm like wow I've been here for I've been awake for hours and I don't really know what's happened um and yeah i feel like what happens when you're drifting um i don't know i think like where are you where am i yeah yeah uh they're two different questions but no no i think i think they're the same question like where where well i don't know where am i while i drift yeah yeah um before i answer that 
Um, wh- who are you for the people who don't know who you are? So the people who are listening who don't know who you are, who are you? Who am I to you? No. Yeah. yeah. Who are you to me? And who are you to you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Hmm. I'm like I'm like your dad. Mm. Um. I don't know. I'm. Who am I to me? I'm just I'm just a person. Mm. <laughs> you actually think you are my dad to me? Oh, don't make me kill. <laughs> I asked. I asked. I said, "Do you actually think that?" Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought you, I thought you said that. I was your dad and I was like, wow, I really had a really emotional, do I think I'm your dad to you? No, I don't. But I like using the kind of, you know, calling each other our parents. I like that. Mm. Mm. I mean, at the moment, at the moment, you're probably the closest thing I have to family. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I don't have siblings. So I guess all that's familiar to me is mom and dad. And I guess the position Mm dad has been vacant for pretty much all of my life so you can take it (laughs) all right sick i don't feel we don't i mean minus the power Mm -hmm. i guess like maybe this is maybe this is the kind of dream like relationship uh like adult relationship with your parents Mm. you know Mm. where there's some kind of um I guess I don't know if the power and a like parent child relationship ever is uh, balanced, but like, yeah, some degree of balance and like care and like nurturing and like, you know, as unconditional as like love can be, you know? Hmm. But you, okay. So you answered. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's the thing about like, non-parental relationships like you can you can move you can like try and equalize power dynamics and like you can or you have i don't know i feel like i feel like the power and the the power and the control of parental the parent-child relationship is like you know a lot of it can't be undone because they're in your head and like they make up a lot of who you are, um, yeah. But then with like, I don't know if it, huh? Sorry. No, I was going to say, but like you know, with with whatever friends, you know, you have you have the freedom to negotiate and to be like, hey, I feel like you're overstepping a boundary. But like, if I said that to my mom, she'd be like, and who are you to tell me how to be your mom? And I'll be like, yeah, all right, man. It almost feels. Like there are two different things in that. Like there's the how they respond to you, um, and like a parent being like, I guess unable or unwilling to like give up power, or like I guess, you know, meet you in a different kind of way. Um, and then there's also like your, I guess, more. Uh, embodied uh and like individual experience of like your relationship with your parents your more like personal experience of your relationship like inside of me how i feel about my relationship with my parents i don't know if that can ever be 
I don't know if it should ever like not have power in it or like, um, you know, deviate from some kind of like hierarchy because I guess even, I mean, it's like they're your parent. They've literally taught you like um, what the world means, what you mean. And even if you have like a close relationship with your parent, there's like, there's this kind of responsibility that comes with that, you know, like there's a responsibility that comes with like teaching another human everything that they know in their foundations of like selfhood, you know? Yeah. Right. But like, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I think there is like, I'm not sure that there is a bigger responsibility than a human that a human being can have apart from the responsibility that they have of being like a conscious self and navigating the world appropriately apart from that the the other greatest or at least the greatest impact that a person can have surely one of the great oh i don't know maybe on like a partner if you have a really long time partner or something or um i don't know but surely one of the biggest things is like the parent the the parent because as you said like the parent tells the parent informs the like the horizons of the kid and like it, some are going to do it better than others obviously and some are going to give the and some are going to tell the kid that those horizons aren't fixed and like that they can like pull the horizons in whatever direction they like and they can see how far they can pull them without their world falling to pieces and other parents will say no your horizons extend this far um, yeah but yeah i I don't know if that means that like something, something you said, I don't remember exactly how you phrased it, but it was something like you didn't know whether there should always be a, like a power imbalance in that relationship. I mean, I guess like I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking about like acknowledging the fact that there is, you have an uneven relationship with somebody And maybe I'm obviously speaking from my own experience with like uh, parents that clearly relate to me uh, from a like parental role that that like holds power, you know, like they Mm -hmm. don't try and like um, engage with me in, I guess, more of an equal way. Um, So, yeah, maybe that's why. Maybe that informs how I think about it. But, like, I I don't know. It just seems like I just don't know how you can ever really have, like, true, like, reciprocity with a parent in the way that you can with, like, other people in your life. And I'm just, I guess my, my point was that, like, I don't think that's, like, a bad thing or something. Um, it's just, like, it just to me seems like the nature of that relationship to a certain point, but that's just all that I know about them. So prove Mm. me wrong. If you have like a nice, beautiful, like reciprocal adult relationship with a parent, that sounds pretty hot to be honest. So Mm. (laughs) I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think like, um, I think there probably are relationships like that. I think there probably are. I'm just, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't really think of any friends 
who but i don't know i feel like i feel like where where we come from where our parents well like your your family um and mine have some at least our dads have some like i don't know they're both like men from like arab middle eastern north african countries um and have some kind of you know heavy patriarchal footprint um mm-hmm. but i don't know i like and th- th- at least that's been like i don't know i don't want to talk about, i don't want to put words in your mouth about your own experience but like i guess my dad had a, he expected me to respect the power dynamic and like yeah. to never like for him being on the same page undermines the very foundation of his role as the father yeah, yeah. like it would be it would just be like you know i could he'd probably have a conversation with me about it like it, it would be but you know like there would be no chance that he would say you know like your voice is as important as my well, your voice is as strong as mine your opinions are as strong as mine he'll be like because i brought you into this world or because i was you know yeah. half of what brought you into this world like you know i i have dominion over your over some over things and you don't have that kind of control over me um totally like i definitely that's the same with, with me and i don't know that yeah it's tied in with patriarchy and it's also just like within our like cultural backgrounds there mm. is obviously a like much greater respect for authority and like the parent um i don't know and for me it's like the parent and the home is like a microcosm for like the church as well i think and like the community so it's kind of like yeah the concept of like respecting your parents and not just respect but yeah that the, what you said that kind of the idea of them having this like dominion over you um yeah that's not something to be negotiated even as an adult i don't know how do you feel about that um yeah i guess like i see i see why i see why it might i see how it could work um and i guess it it works to i don't know it's not it's just not it's much less progressive than like i feel i don't know i feel like a lot of my friends a lot of my anglo friends their parents have had like it's a lot more common for their parents to have a more hands-off parenting style. Um, and I feel like that meant that a lot of them had the freedom to like go out into the world and like do the wrong shit and then find out themselves. And like, you know, some, sometimes things weren't, you know, sometimes they pushed the boundaries too far and like, you know, ended up in hospital or whatever. But like, um, yeah, I feel like in one, like in one sense, even though like my dad wasn't really present for my childhood, um, physically present for most of my upbringing, he was there, like his voice. I, I, I still hear it. I still hear his voice. And like, it's amazing. It's amazing that like, you know, being there for such a brief time, um, he was able to like kind of situate himself so powerfully. Um, and so like clearly in my, in my, conscience or 
or wherever, you know, wherever his voice, wherever I hear his voice. But yeah, I guess the difference, one difference, I don't know if this is really what you're asking, but one difference is, well, at least I don't know. I don't know whether you, it's even wise to think of it in terms of the pros and cons of it, because I guess, yeah, maybe like, maybe it's just kind of a fact of, a fact of where our, where our dads came from that like, yeah, there is, you know, attached to culture, attached to religion, there is a respect for authority because that is what perpetuates the respect for culture and respect for religion. And like, I don't know, maybe, maybe like, maybe they kind of, maybe a hands-off style of parenting is seen as being deviant or something because you're granting too much freedom to a young thing who doesn't, yeah, I don't know, who hasn't seen whatever, whatever they think the world is, whether they think it's a wicked place or whether they think it's a great place, you know, they haven't had the experience to kind of, yeah, like, I don't know, they might do things that end up harming them or something. And Well, and they obviously also both like cook up different like models of society, mm. you know, like you can do whatever the fuck you want, like when you're, um, I guess a teen and like, or like when 18 is like when the law is respected in the sense that like 18 means adult, like in my family, that's not really how it happens. You know, it, I mean, I guess it obviously, you obviously are legally allowed to like do certain things when you're 18, but like in the family home, that's not, that doesn't really mean a lot. Um, You're still like a child well, like you're still a child in relation to like parents and you still have certain obligations tied in with that versus like, I guess like you were saying friends with like maybe parents with looser parenting styles. Yeah. Leads to like, I guess more greater fracturing um, and like individualization and yeah, I guess there are different obviously values at play. Mm. what um, like i don't think one is better mm. yeah um hmm. um okay okay and how like i don't know what do you like what Reflecting on your childhood, what, and reflecting on, I don't know, the parenting style of your parents, what do you think you wished that they hadn't done? It's an interesting question. Um, What do I wish that they hadn't done? Yeah. Um, I don't even know if I can answer that because it's like, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything as like, as meaningless as those words might sound. Mm. <laughs> um, but I guess like, you know, where was harm caused or like, where would I have been more supported? Like, I guess, you know, I think I personally would have benefited from like a greater, like greater attention to like individuality um, and like respect for like individual personhood. Like I feel mm. like in my home, like my family home, it wasn't really that, like that wasn't really 
seen as like super important. Um, and I'm talking in quite like abstract terms. Like I don't really, I don't mean that they did anything like specifically or like neglected anything specifically. And I had like incredible opportunities, um, you know, uh, but yeah, just in terms of that dynamic and how that dynamic um, was lived out in my childhood, I suppose. Um, I guess I don't feel like I was responded to and like met where I was, but I guess my parents like were doing, they did like they, they enacted that, uh, I don't know, the story of the family and the way of raising children that fits with their worldview and their values, which are like more centered around um, the Catholic church and, and the cultures that are like deeply entrenched within the church, like my parents' respective cultures. And um, yeah, that's what I have to say to that. Mm. <laughs> um, I don't know. And I was also thinking like for you, because I feel like we speak about the similar, the similarities between us, but like we have had like very different experiences growing up. And even the way you talk about, uh, you know, your dad and like the way that he exercised authority and the, how that has had like a lasting um, effect. I wonder, I wonder how that is different to my situation. You know, how much of that do you think is culture? Like, I don't know. Like, did you have like different experiences with your mum? Do you think it's more about him being the father or do you think it's more about his background? Um, What do you think? Um, I guess one thing before I answer that, um, one thing that's interesting is that you're probably, yeah, I guess you're one of the most independent people I know. Um, and I guess that's, that's an interesting thing to think about given that one of the things you wished you had, I guess, you know, yeah. One of the things that I imagine many people, um, who came from living situations where, you know, they felt their freedom wasn't, I don't know, given to them or they weren't aware that they had a thing like freedom when they were growing up. Um, yeah, I guess it's just interesting that you think that, you know, one thing that you would have liked to have more of when you were younger is freedom. And, you know, um, yes, one question that's very hard to, well, I guess trying to figure out why you are the way you are now based on what happened to you when you were younger is a very difficult thing to do. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you know, how much of you not having freedom that you wanted has has resulted in you being someone who values freedom and spontaneity and things like that now um i don't know i don't know but um anyway i don't know if you want to comment on that but um i mean i can yeah i do you have any insights into like into <laughs> um I guess, I guess that's why I started by saying I wouldn't wish anything to be different yeah, right. because 
not that I have insight, obviously, how can I have insight into like, you know, the causes of um, who I am? It's just a combination of everything interacting together. But um, because it's a combination of everything interacting together, I, you know, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful because I think I, I think I have a, a richer, um, or I think my, my understanding of like what's important to me, my understanding of myself um, and the lifestyle I value has been enriched by my experiences and the way that I was raised and what I feel uh, like was missing from that. Hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I <clears throat> I mean the question that I didn't answer that you asked me yes, was like I was totally um, sad, No, no, but so. I think I think it's like I think it's relevant to this because yes. I think the way the ways in which our upbringings were different are pretty drastic. Um uh because yeah, I guess it sounds like the kind of parenting you had directly or part of the parenting you had directly i had from a distance um and it, i i was never really yeah i guess i wasn't guided by that so much in i don't know i don't know like on and off you know on and off for the first i don't know decade of my life and then after that not really um uh but yeah, like my my mom um, is like my mom. One thing that she has been very good at, and she still remains very good at, is encouraging me to liberate myself in pretty much every way possible. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And seriously, it's like no, yeah, no, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's and you, I like. guess you know my mom. Um, yeah, and I don't know if you've seen that in her, but like she is. She is a really spontaneous and like, I guess, free, you know, there are ways in which she isn't free, I guess. Um, but, you know, I guess in terms of being able to be spontaneous in terms of her decision-making, that's something that she's always protected and that's something that she's always encouraged me to do. And so, I and I think that like I can clearly see why that's something that I value so much now because that was something that featured so heavily in in my upbringing. Um, wow. And I guess uh, you know it's it's also like there are downsides. Like you know, I guess uh, you know I've had issues with punctuality and like that kind of stuff because yeah. Um, but, you know, <laughs> no, no. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess look at this point, I think I've lost track of like what the actual question I'm trying. Oh, if, if there is a question. Um, but I guess like in my mind, the question is, well, there are a number of them, but I guess the ideas are like, what, what, how do we reflect on our past and make an in, make a decision about how what we're grateful for and perhaps what we would want 
to be different. And I guess I'm in the same boat as you. Like, um, I guess there's a there's one there's one thing that I wish were different about my childhood, um, and that is that mostly I wish my dad was a different person. Um, yeah, I what I don't does think that mean. Well, I, I guess just the presence that he was. Um, yeah, just that shadow that I was telling you, the shadow of him being like, you know, you have to work hard. Like you have to, you have to climb. Like you have to do better. Like there will never be a point at which you've worked hard enough. Like, uh, you know, you can always, like just like the, the kind of, you know, migrant insecurity. Um, and there, like, I guess that, that actually wasn't the thing which drove it, interestingly. Um, you know, I think it was a kind of cultural thing for him. Like, you know, his parents decided that he was going to do medicine um, or whatever. He was going to study whatever. And then he wanted the same thing for me. Um, and yeah, like, I think, I, I, I don't know. That's a very hard thing to live with. It's very hard to be told like, yeah. And so I, I think one thing that, but at the same time, it's had some like, you know, it's made me a pretty like, I guess the consequence has been that like, I've been pretty driven. Um, and like, I, I guess like setting extremely unrealistic goals, which require like a lot of ambition, like that is almost like one of the most familiar things to me. Um, and I think that that's a consequence, it's a consequence of having a dad like that, of having like, I guess the illusion of have, having like this phantom, this phantom figure of this like pushy, yeah, pushy, like unimpressed person. So I guess that's something that I want to change. Even because I, su- I suppose like I would have hoped that I could have generated that ambition and drive from um, a more... Or from just from a genuine place, and that wasn't from a place of being told that that was the only thing I could do to, like, kind of you know, secure my place as like a rightful son or whatever it is. Um, yeah, and I guess one thing that I was talking to you about yesterday was that like I have I have a really hard time thinking about achievement, um, and like I. And I know, I know that comes from my dad because like, you know, he, he was an overachiever and he has always wanted me to be an overachiever, um, and has never settled for anything less than overachievement. Um, and yeah, I guess that's made me think about like academic achievement and any other kind of achievement as this, I don't know. It's just, it's it's ne- it's never comfortable either any kind of success is very difficult for me to handle because um i guess until i was 18 i didn't know that i had my own goals and i had my own kind of self that could fit into fit into the drives and the ambitions and stuff until then it was just kind of this framework that i'd been given by my um you know, but by both of my parents, but I guess mostly by my dad as the ambitious one. Um, so yeah, I guess like, how do you, what's, how do you feel about like 
achievement and how do you feel about like motivation and productivity and that kind of stuff um yeah like look like i guess quite like pretty similarly i my parents were never um like i don't know it obviously sounds very intense like your dad saying those things to you like directly like that like this is never enough or you have to do this you have to like um always be working harder um that was more like implicitly told to me i suppose like i feel like yeah but i definitely was mo i've always been motivated by like a fear of failure rather than a um I guess the like by my own goals to like get to a certain place or my own curiosity, particularly in like academic institutions. It's funny because it feels so distant now because I haven't been at an academic institution for like a couple of years. So I wonder what that would look like now um, in terms of achievement. Cause I guess like in my life outside of that context right now, I don't really have those pressures and it's really, it's really nice. I still struggle with motivation though. And I think it does come from a similar place of like, um, you know, we've, we have, we've spoken about this. It's the classic, like, you know, avoiding, avoiding, um, avoiding something that you want to be doing um, because you're scared you can't get there or you're scared you're not not good enough or um, you're not going to be able to do what you really want. Um, at least that's, that's what underpins it for me. Um, yeah. So yeah, motivation's tricky. I, I guess I'm trying to like, yeah, reframe it into like, um, yeah, more of like a forward looking thing, not like someone's behind my back, like poking at me saying like, that's how I picture it. It's like someone's poking at me and they're like, you, I'm just scared. I have to keep moving forward. Otherwise I'm going to like, I don't know, get hurt or disappoint them or something. But like, if I'm looking forward at like what I want, where I want to be, like the kind of knowledge I want to have, the kind of like um, work I want to be doing, the kinds of people I want to be engaging with. It's like, that's like all exciting shit. So that's like what I want to be thinking about. I don't know. Um, can't even remember what you asked really, but they're my thoughts. <laughs> ah. mm. Um yeah, I guess I also like I'm still at uni somehow. Um, <laughs> uh, um but yeah, I like I think I want one thing that I need to do is reevaluate my motivations for doing things um yes and i guess like today i was listening to a podcast about um like i i normally it was really strange actually that i was listening to a podcast about this because i normally don't listen to any uh like any overt self anything that pitches themselves as like self-help um anyway it was sam harris interviewing this guy about um like goal setting and i only got like i listened to that yesterday too oh really 
Yeah. Okay. The Atomic Habits book, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, that one. Um, yeah, yeah, anyway, I was, I was listening to that. I listened to like half of it today. Anyway, um, one thing that he said that was, <laughs> that was just so foreign to me was the idea of starting <laughs> small. Oh my God, you're speaking to me, dude. This is meditation, which yeah. we can talk about if you want. He was like, <laughs> he was like, you know, like you just got to start small. <laughs> like you got to do a bit every day and you got to think like two years in advance. Like, you know, the stuff you do now is going to be paying off in two years. And in my head, I'm like, dude, when I do something, I want it. Like, I want the answer. Like, I want to be good at it now. I don't want to be a fucking rookie for two years at some Can I just interject? Yeah. I feel like with that kind of, yeah, like you said, this really like overt, like, I don't know, that kind of self-helpy, like business, it's like business model self-help. It's like, you know, models of, um, of being that are so like, you know, they use, they use jargon, like input output, like to describe behavior and something about that makes me like deeply uncomfortable. And I don't know. I just, I don't know what you, if you have thoughts on that, because it just feels like fundamentally tied in with capitalism and um, competition to me. When I hear that kind of language and I hear, you know, there is obviously a vein of like usefulness in that. And that's Mm. why I listen to it, you know, it's because like, um, I, I want to like work towards improving my habits, you know, like I want to have lived the kind of most fulfilling life I can. But like when that gets tied in with, with all this, like, I don't know, this crap about like, you know, or where do you want to be in two years? Like, where do you, 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 you like the, the decision you make now about like eating like a good meal versus eating that burger. It's just like something in that is so, feels so wrong. Yeah. So that's what I, I just, I just feel like that's important to say. Do you have an opinion on that? Yeah, I'm totally with you. I think that like, I think that people need to be very careful when they talk about behavior because I think there is a way of thinking about behavior that is capitalist behavior. And that is, and that, and that is supported by that kind of, the kind of language that that guy was using. At least I don't, I don't entirely, like, I don't entirely remember, even though I listened to it like, you know, two hours ago or something, I don't actually, I wasn't really, really paying attention to the way he phrased things, but yeah, like, Using behavior, talking about behavior in terms of input and output as if it's like... Even just good and bad. Yeah, yeah. They had a discussion about good and bad. Yeah. And this guy, ultimately, he acknowledged that, okay, like, you know, this isn't kind of an infallible distinction, um, but he basically backed it. He was like, there are good behaviors and bad behaviors. And I'm like, look, like, I understand that. I don't want to, like destroy the binary like but also i do like that's just (laughs) wrong it's just Mm. like the wrong it's like and this is probably this is super relevant to like um you know obviously just the covid situation Mm. and you know lots of people are talking about productivity and like um you know um yeah what you do with this time um and 
even just the pressure to like take care of yourself during this time, the pressure to like relax during this time. Um, just the concept of like time being an object that can be maximized. Like, I don't know. It's chat. Yeah, it actually, it's, it's fucked. It's so fucked. And, and one of the most, one of the most upsetting things about it is that it's so hard, at least for me, one of the most upsetting things about it for me is that it's so hard to free myself from yes. feeling like I'm, I'm going to lose if I don't think in that, with that like, you know, business-like mantra. If, my, if I don't, you know, kind of um, commodify my behavior. Because essentially that's what it is, right? It's like, yeah. it's like you putting a price. You making every act you do something that can be sold at some point. And like that, that's yeah. kind of what I got from what that guy was saying. Like he's, I, cause then Although, I, I started, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say like, I did, what I did really like about that interview What's was his name, um, actually? something James David Clear or something. No, uh, you, you, you can check. Okay, um, keep talking. But yeah, this guy, um, I like that he was talking about, essentially he was like, we should be focusing on our habits rather than our goals. Like, you know, if there's, if there is a discrepancy between like, you know, the person you want to be or the, the things that you want and like the life that you have, he's saying like, essentially that comes down to like your habits. Um, that's the, that's the area that you should focus on to change. But what I liked um, in that emphasis on habits rather than goals was that he basically said like, you know, you don't, if you, if you're focusing on a goal, you never, you never get satisfied really by a goal. We need goals because like we need to like look into the future. And I think goals are good. Like that's just, I mean, that's not even really up for debate. I, you know, it's like they're helpful to an extent, but like, um, but <laughs> any finite point once reached, like ends <laughs> so mm. they're not essentially what you should be focusing on is like what's the kind of life i want to live what's going to make me like feel my best and that's why um he was arguing to focus on your habits and your processes mm. like so essentially like your day-to-day behaviors because that's yeah, right. the same where you can gain your satisfaction so i mean yeah i like i like that that feels I don't know how that ties in with capitalism, but it like is to me, I feel like you can like take an anti kind of capitalist uh, message from that. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you can, because although what I was thinking while you were saying that is, um, is there any part of our life that isn't like, is there any part of our life that isn't directly tied in with capitalism? Like, is there any sleep, point? Sleep. But it, I, that, it, it's not because, like, and I mean, it is because oversleep, oversleep is, well, okay, okay. Like, I, I obviously don't want to believe that, that all, like, obviously there, okay, there are some things that clearly are like me having a job. Mm. Then there are some things that shouldn't be like sleep or like 
like drinking water. But then I guess even drinking water is tied into it because you have to pay for it. Like even sleep, like, oh yes, you know, that's a pretty, oh. that's a pretty bullshit argument. Like you have to, but like, you know. I think we're oh, talking about different things here. No, 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 no. Are you okay, talking okay. about a direct link to capitalism or are you talking about capitalism, how we embody it? Yeah, how we embody how it, how we embody it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, because even sleep, like, I don't know if there's any point, even when we're asleep, where we can be free from its grip because really, really, like... That's true. I mean, I have, like, yeah, like, work anxiety dreams and, like, or just, <laughs> like... But I don't even mean yeah. that. I don't even mean... I just mean, like... What do you mean? Because, because not even in our sleep are we like can we fully detach from it right because we wake up right maybe we have like oh because i don't know i guess ultimately we wake up into the same system yeah and like even even when we meditate and even when we get to a place where where we i don't know the sense of self becomes totally illusory and it evaporates there is still a body that exists in a world of like so what do you think that means that i don't know that we're never free from it which is like maybe maybe it maybe it doesn't really matter like maybe it doesn't really matter that like you know when we're asleep if we sleep in for an extra hour some like you know that guy his name's james clear by the way the podcast guy okay. you were right um that guy could that guy could like whisper in our ear and be like this is one less hour that you're like not spending doing Brazilian, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I'll be like, okay. <laughs> I'll be like, okay. Um, thanks. And then he'll be like, this is one less hour. You know, like, I guess in my mind, Gross. it's really hard to, it's really hard for me to separate time, which includes sleep from productivity. And I think maybe that's something oh. you're better at doing than me. Um, because like when we started this, I mean, when yeah. we started this, but like we were both like, you know, we drift. Oh, I was like, I drift. And then you were like, oh, I don't know. I lose track of time or something. Time's passing in a weird way. So I, d- I don't know. What are you, what are you thinking? Um, I think sleep is a different, different animal. Okay. Um, from time in like when I'm saying I zone out in time and stuff, I don't know, sleep. I mean, I like have difficulty sleeping as you know. So like, I guess for me, that's why sleep's different because Mm. I just, maybe I, maybe I treasure like, Oh, I don't know. I don't really want to do anything that would make it worse. I suppose. Um, I don't know. Like, and anyway, I guess like this all started by us that like me saying like sleep is the only place that capitalism hasn't like infected, whether that's true or not. It's just like the sentiment is that like it's, it has infected our consciousness in like every like waking moment, potentially mm. unconscious moments. Well, I'm definitely unconsciously as well, for sure. Mm. Um, which is really scary. Like the thought, the thought of like, you know, um, the state in our bodies like really freaks me out. And I feel like particularly over the last like 
however many months, six months with the fires and COVID, it's like that's been really like very obvious, I think. For me, to me, it's been obvious for the first time really, I guess, in, in this way that like, yeah, the state, the decisions of the state are in my body and like that the same applies to capitalism, which is the system behind all of it. Yeah, right. The thing about the state in the body is wild. Like, um, oh yeah, you know, like uh, the Morrison government completely failing to respond to the bushfires in an appropriate way. Um, yeah, like I remember you saying, like, uh, you know, I, I was in London during this time during the bushfires, um, and I came back, and uh, you know, I I came back mid March, and I came back because of the pandemic, and then. Yeah, you and I went for a walk um, and you were saying like, I was like, oh, how was summer? And you said like, yeah, uh, I don't know. We didn't really have a summer. And and then you said something like, um, yeah, like I felt like, yeah, you were like, I felt the, I felt like politics, like you could see politics in the air or something. Like you could see, yeah, because, because like, you, you know, like the smoke, like you could, like literally there were, there were consequences. And like that, that's probably one of the clearest ways in which political action, the, the smoke is even, effect, I don't know. My point is that the smoke just affects, yes. it, it affects everyone and it affects everyone's bodies. Um, and that's, yeah, that's really scary. Um, but obviously, I mean, and this is a completely different um, line of thought, but obviously certain bodies get hurt first and more deeply mm. um as well which mm. is just another reminder of how how power does hurt and where it hurts mm. hmm. um have do you have any ways of of reducing or being in control of the way that either politics or capitalism has uh, um, has an impact on your consciousness or your body or whatever you'd like to call it. Mm. Um, because you meditate, right? At least that's yeah. one thing that you do, and you yeah. draw. Yeah. Um. I think capitalism is, I definitely, it is, it's like an everyday struggle. It's like in, it's, it's, it's part of my like internal struggle as it is with most people, you know, um, my, my personal issues are tied up in capitalism. That's like, a fact so yeah I guess every day I'm trying like meditation is a way that I try to uh deal with that um I think kindness is like kindness and self-compassion I think are the biggest ones however that comes out there are different ways like meditation it I think it's more I think trying to embody those things in whatever activities I'm doing is what's important. Cause you know, you could take like meditation and you could turn that into a 
a capitalist activity, unfortunately. That's how I started meditating when I was, like, in high school, you know. I'd take, like, I'd be, like, oh, like studying way too hard and then, like, meditating for 10 minutes so I could, like, boost my productivity. Um, yeah. And that's, like, you know, it was, it was yeah. So, so, yeah, I think making, just checking in with myself and trying to, like, trying to be honest with, like, what I'm doing and why I'm doing it is like what I try to do every day. Um, yeah. What about you? Um, yeah, I guess I have like some kind of meditation practice as well. Um, I don't think it's as rigorous as yours because I'm still trying to set the foundations, but I think for a while I was, t- I told you that I, I would do that weird visualization stuff. Yes. Um, do you want to yeah. explain that? <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, um, yeah, so I guess I think one thing that I am able to do um, is both with my eyes open, although not as clearly with my eyes open, um, because I guess uh, there's more to distract me with my eyes open, it seems. Um, but yeah, I guess I can, I have some ability to like, um i don't know make make objects and things appear um i guess and it's 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 not clear to me to what degree they are to to what degree they're actually there like i'm not sure i'm not really sure how clear they are um but i i don't think i don't think interestingly that actually doesn't (laughs) impact the experience at all like the clarity are you talking about visual clarity? Yeah, yeah, the visual. Like, okay. Yeah, but, oh, but wait, what's the other type of clarity that you're going to ask? Well, when you said whether they're really there, I don't know if you meant like in terms of like their reality. Oh, oh, well, yeah, that too. Because um, it's, I guess, what I tried to do, and I don't really, I guess uh, I meditated when I was younger, like when I was very young, like w- with my mom, um, and then I didn't do it until, I guess, um, we were living together. And then you gave me a, a free one-month headspace um, thing. And I did that for like two days. Um, and then, yeah. Uh, what's interesting is that, anyway, this, this visualization thing, what it allowed me to do was feel like I was actually doing something that I wasn't. Like it felt, it felt. Can you explain it, what it actually was? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm just trying to like. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's so abstract. Um, this is so abstract. Um, yeah. So what I would do was I would imagine myself walking through the front door of the of my childhood uh, home, and I would go into a into a room um, just on the right of. Uh, once you walk through the front door, um, then I'd go down, I'd go into the room and I'd go down stairs once I'd open this door on the right, even though there were never stairs there. And then I'd enter this room with three boards, um, kind of, it was like a, uh, semicircle. The room was like a semicircle, um, with the curve, the curve in front of me. Um, 
and the, the, the staircase going down was spiraling. And then there would be three, as I said, there were three boards and each board represented something. Um, I guess one board was my anxieties. One board was um, my, uh, I guess, hopes for the future. And then the other board was what I wanted to maintain. Um, and then I would try and visualize each thing happening on each board. Um, and then I guess I would try and walk away from the experience with some idea of what I wanted to keep, what I wanted to change and what I wanted to let go of. Um, and I did that for like two months um, and had some pretty strange experiences, phys- some strange physical responses to it. Um, and then I stopped for no reason and haven't done it since. Uh, what prompted you um, to do that? And also, where did it come from? Did you, like, did you just spontaneously do this meditative yeah. kind of exercise? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, I, I guess I'd heard of, like, I'd heard of people using visualisation in their meditation, but I'd never heard anything more than that about it. So I didn't know what it, in, it entailed. And so I guess maybe the first time, um, I don't know, the first time I was kind of just like playing with what I was able to do in my head. And then I guess I kind of made, made up some routine. And then I remember like practicing it, like trying to do it again and again. And then I guess each time it became more and more um, vivid. And then each time I did it over the two months, it became more and more vivid. Um, or more, it became easier to do. And I guess like one, as I'm sure you know, from your practice, um, I like calling it a practice because it, yeah. it's not, yeah. <laughs> it sounds so like, <laughs> sounds so real. Legit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know where it came from. Um, and I think I'm going to try it again because I've been doing a different, I've been doing, I've been doing a different meditation recently, which is just like breath, breath and, um, trying to like feel, I guess one, yeah. One thing that's similar is that I've been trying to like evoke emotional responses to things by thinking Mm. about them. Yeah. And like trying to experience the emotion, I guess is like, I don't know, practice or something. Yeah. Fresh. What what about you? What do you do in, in your, in your practice? Um, yeah, I like guided meditation. Um, it changes a lot though. I feel like I, yeah, I just try and, I just try and make sure I do it every day and then whatever I like work with where I am on that day, I suppose. But yeah, I, I, I go through phases. Sometimes I do, I just set a timer and I just like focus on my breath and I just like, I guess widen my like awareness um, or I like drop into an awareness that's um, that's like that encompasses everything. Like um, it's hard to explain. Uh, I've also been doing yoga recently, which I feel like has been, I feel like it's been the first time I've really kind of connected with yoga um, and I think meditation has like allowed me to, cause I think I'm getting a tiny glimpse of like why, 
yoga is, you know, why it is this like incredible, like spiritual practice for people, spiritual, whatever word like you want to use, but like, I guess it's in the, it's in the same line of meditation um, in how it works, except it obviously involves the body as well. And I think like that, that really excites me because I think like, particularly for me and like my, um, yeah, like I have issues staying embodied. So like involving meditation with movement is I think where I want to like move. Mm. Um, it's really interesting. I've been thinking about how like I've been comparing the, like my experiences of yoga that, uh, now with like, um, I guess I, I've done yoga on and off for like years, but when, when I mean on and off, I mean literally like I'd do it for like maybe a month and then like not do it. Um, just every, yeah, little bursts, but I like have, I really just, I don't, don't have any sense of like foundation or like connection with like a tradition or anything like that. So I guess like for me, whenever I've done yoga, it really like brings up this sense of like, there's this deep, like deep, deep resistance for me. Like there's this deep feeling of like, I don't know what it is. Like this feels, it's not that it feels wrong, but there's a struggle, there's a tension around it. Um, And I don't want to do it, even though it makes me feel great. I don't want to do it like leading up to it. And Anyways, I've been like noticing now because I'm coming to it with this, like with a foundation of meditation, um, I'm able to like recognize what's going on and I'm able to like um, be with discomfort in a way that I like have never been able to be with it before, I think. Because I think like what used to freak me out and what used to come up as like tension and like frustration and conflict and like like difficult feelings because yoga can like bring up those feelings because you're like moving, um, you're like forced to like be in, like be present, be with your body, which is a thing that I guess for me, like I don't really do that. I'm not, that's not how I naturally am in my regular way of moving in the world. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's exciting to like open up into that discomfort and to like, I'm excited to like learn from it. (laughs) I don't know Mm -hmm. if this really, if this sounds, if this resonates at all, but that's Um, where I'm at with it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure it resonates with me because I Mm. haven't really done, I think I am maybe at the place where you were at before this doing yoga this time around, which was like, I've tried to do it. And I haven't felt, um, there's that word which I had in my head until now, um, Mm. derealization. Oh yes. But, but I guess what I'd felt was some kind of disembodiment. And so doing yoga, I would like, I don't know. it, It didn't really feel like I was doing much that I was able to, I don't know, connect with. So I'm not sure it does resonate with me, Um, but that's probably because I haven't had a profound yogic experience. Although I have had some kind of like meditative experiences with running. Like what was really wild the other day, yesterday actually was, so I went for a run yesterday 
Um, and after a certain point, maybe about halfway through the run, I hit some kind of barrier. Um, and it was some, it, what was amazing was that it was the same kind of barrier. It felt like the same kind of barrier that I'd hit when I had wanted to stop meditating or when I wanted to use my phone. It was like, it felt exactly the same. Um, it, because it wasn't out of like, it wasn't out of physical exhaustion. Although I yeah. maybe it, it was kind of out of mental exhaustion because I'd like used up, felt like I had used up my resources that I had dedicated to this run. Like I'd had an idea mm. of how much time I wanted to spend doing the run. Then I got there and I was like, whatever, like I want to stop. And then I was like, no, I'm going to keep going. And I think, yeah, I was able to use like similar strategies for continuing to meditate, um, to continue running. Um, Whoa. Yeah. Although maybe, maybe like upon reflection, it's actually not that similar because I kind of, although what did come through was like a much clearer voice. Like one time you asked me whether I like, when I think, when I think in words or when I think in like ideas or something. Um, and yeah. I, think, I guess I've been thinking about that ever since you asked me that. Um, and when I was running, I, I've, I don't think I've ever thought in words as clearly as I did then, um, which was like, yeah, like if there was a very clear voice in my head that was like, yeah, it was just like, you can like, you can keep going. And then I kind of like wheel, I, I don't know. I like, yeah. Do you say wielded to the voice? What's the word? Yielded? Yielded. <laughs> that sounds like a cross between will and yield yeah (laughs) yeah i kind of i yeah i yielded to the voice and um kept going and like i don't know it didn't feel like it didn't feel it was it was challenging but then i kind of entered this like yeah deeper state deeper connection with What what was that what was that state like um it was uh, interestingly, it was like a really profound disembodiment. Okay. Yeah. So like I, I, well, maybe, maybe it wasn't, but I guess it felt like all of the things that I felt were happening in my body, like sore calf muscles, like whatever, it felt like they had just like drifted off and then I just kept running. That does sound like meditation. Hmm. Like, I guess, I don't know. I mean, I, like, yeah, I've had experiences where it's like, I don't, I don't know. I, maybe like you enter this space where you drop into like an understanding of, um, it's really hard to articulate, <laughs> like, I guess the power of your mind. Mm. Um like, I don't know, experiences where you, like, I feel like you can't feel your body. Um, um, yeah, did it kind of feel like that? Did it feel like disembodied because you were like, you just realised or you understood in this, like, whatever, this moment of insight that there was nothing that your mind was the the barrier. Yeah, yeah. I think um, like when that when like whatever that voice was that was like keep going. And when I was like when I you know acquiesced um, after that, I think yeah, that's exactly what I felt. It, I like 
and, and, and like, you know, I, what's strange is that a lot of the time I am fully aware of the truth behind the cliche that like, you know, I set my own boundaries. Um, I think a lot of the time that is like totally true, but I guess in this, and like a lot of the time I think about that and it, I'm not sure it like gets in the way, but at that point it like, yeah, I like, I don't know. I just like totally accepted that claim. And then it like, it impacted how I felt in my body because I was like, I'm like, my mind is in control or so, something, something, but I'm not sure it was as clear as that because like, right. it seemed like a pretty seamless transition from one moment of like kind of physical suffering to like, you know, the next moment, like, no, like, like seriously, like I like really, I was running and it felt like automated and yeah, like I wasn't thinking about my breathing. I wasn't thinking about my legs and I just like kept going and it didn't really go on for that much longer because I stopped running. Cause I got to the place where I'd actually decided I was going to run to. And then I was mm. just like kind of pleased. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Have you had like, is that what your experience in yoga has been like? Um, it's very early days. Mm. I haven't well, really same, had any like profound. Not, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I definitely, I haven't had any profound kind of moments other than, oh no, not other than, but I, I guess for me, it feels like there's just been a shift and I think, um, yeah, I think it's just, I'm just returning with like a greater like foundation. And yeah, maybe it is similar in the sense that, you know, it's, I have some kind of mental fortitude or I don't know what you want to, how you want to describe it, but I like feel awareness gives you, it just changes your experience of everything. You know, if you, I guess that's, that's why like I'm sure everyone you know has heard or is familiar with like the benefits of mindfulness and like developing this awareness of like yourself, your surroundings, um, your body, like how you inhabit the world and move in the world. Like um, it's incredibly powerful. And so yeah, I guess, I mean, how that, how that played, played out in yoga in this kind of small way, small but important way, was like me realising that my discomfort is like fine, <laughs> right? Because I'm yeah. aware of what it is as well. It's funny because I guess when you're not aware um, in that way of what's going on, it has greater power of you, um, you know? If, you, if, mm. if you're not fully, if you don't have that insight to what's going on, sets the limits for you mm. yeah yeah and i think in that moment of like pushing through that even though the you know the physical pain wasn't very severe for me i think in that moment i caught a glimpse of what it must be like for some people for example one of my aunts um one of my dad's sisters was like a i don't know semi-professional javelin person um and one time she dislocated her shoulder um, and, you know, it was out of the socket and she was in pain, excruciating pain. And she was like, I don't know, third place or something. 
Um, and her coach was like, it's over for the season. And she was like, no, it's not. And he was like, what do you mean? Like you've, you've dislocated your shoulder. And she was like, no, I'm doing this final throw. And she did the final throw with a dislocated shoulder. Um, and like, I don't know, first place or whatever, like, you know, fairy tale ending, some bullshit like that. But like, um, yeah. And like, you know, the damage afterwards was so severe. Like it was so much worse than it would have been. Um, but at the time she said like, you know, I thought about it and I decided what I was going to do. And like, I did it. And then you hear about all of these stories of like, um, yeah, people, people like, I don't know, moving, like unlocking their mind or whatever and getting to like the next level where you push through physical pain and then they end up running like marathons with like broken shins and all this kind of stuff. Uh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing how like, it's amazing what degree of control we can have over what we feel when a lot of the time it feels like what we feel isn't actually in our control and it's generated by our body or parts of our body that we don't have control over. Yeah. I don't know. I guess you have control over like, yeah. Or how you are with everything that shows up, including Mm. feelings. Hmm. How are you going, energy? Energy. I'm okay. I'm, I'm I'm a bit tired. How are you going? Yeah, I'm also a bit tired. We're at an How hour. How long have we been going for? Hour and fifteen minutes. Is there anything else oh. you want? Um. You know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe that's. Maybe that's enough. Cool. Um, yeah. Well, as usual. Um, yeah. You know. You know. You know how uh, important you are to me. So thank you. Thank you for making this time, and thanks for sharing your mind with all of us. All right, mate. Marhaba. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. That's a low. Oh my god. <laughs> you have to edit that out. <laughs> I just said hello. I meant to say Masalama. Oh, I'm going to keep that in. <laughs> Alright. Bye, bitches. Spend my whole day okay Kinda like I travel down the one way There's no way to stop feeling okay It's not great, it's more like I'm great all day Whether I like it or not I'm not complaining, I'm just saying that I'm old Okay, with being broke and telling my folks I got no pay And it's probably cause I spent it all on mope Way, but I didn't, I just told you that I did Because I thought that it was old Okay, to lie, lie, why should I care If I'm not what you like, I'm more rick and mortified Yeah, the more I say I'm okay The more I feel you feel okay, okay Yeah, you don't understand my vocabs, okay you no, I don't play with more weight Save my rosé for some other day When I don't feel okay I just drink OJ So I got ambition I put the rain, no money in this business Yeah, so long can I keep on doing this shit Yeah, like forever that's how I'm feeling I'm feeling And I just spent a fifth of my rent on a Friday Just to see him